Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shulok. Shulisten, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Shulok, Shulisten. Shulok, Shulisten. Shulok, Shulisten. Shulok, Shulisten. Shulok. Shulisten. Shulok, Shulisten. Shulok, Shulisten. Oh, very good, Benjamin. It is another Spartan and dry week of pop culture news. So we've really padded out this week's running order. But you look, there's no point in me telling you what I'm going to tell you and then telling you. So here's what I'm going to tell you. We're going to have a look at Blue Beetle, Benjamin, and how it's completely doomed right from the get-go. But... Not a terrible week for the WB, because Barbie is not doomed. Barbie is their new biggest character of all time. (laughs) And Percy Jackson is back. Your favourite character, Percy Jackson. And your least favourite character, Scott Pilgrim, is also back. And then, Ben, (laughs) in a desperate scrape of the bottom of the barrel, you finally found a trailer for a new thing that's coming out of the week. Landscape with Invisible Hand, which... Doesn't make any sense, but I'm sure there's some context. Oh, I sure listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough, and it really isn't. Um, no, not even close. We are coming to you live, ladies and gentlemen, from the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> uh, that's that's where we are. It's where we live now. It's it's, so it's our only home. It's so dark. Nobody's here. Nobody. Not a celebrity in the bunch. Come here yeah. to me. Come here. What to is me. it? We're going to be taking a look, Michael. Where is the love? Where Where has it it gone? The slow and gradual shift away from romantic chemistry on screen to something more platonic, perhaps, Michael, or something more forged in professional conduct. Hmm? Exactly, Ben. You turned to me the other week and said, why is no one fucking in cinema anymore? And we've kind of put a polite sheen onto that. I, I think, Michael, you'll find that you are the one who turned around to me and said, why is no one fucking in cinema anymore? Well, Benjamin, if no one is fucking in cinema anymore, then why is Blue Beetle so fucked? Uh, <laughs> that's that's actually remarkably good as a segue. That was pretty I solid. Up, I was setting it up from the whole thing. <laughs> Thank you very much. Michael, nobody's gone to see Blue Beetle. Nobody in the world, Benjamin. You love our famous segment on the podcast, What Are the Box Office Numbers? So in in anticipation of your excitement about hearing some numbers, I've done you a bit of research, Ben. Do you want to know Blue Beetle's opening weekend, domestic as the Americans call it? Not just me, Michael, the listeners too. That's the only the reason listeners. they tune in. It's for the numbers. $25 million. Michael, barely enough to pay my mortgage this week. Barely, in, you don't have a mortgage, Ben. No, I don't. I'm I can't not afford go a mortgage in this economy. You can't afford one, Ben. I'm not going to go into where you're currently living. That is not a topic for the podcast. <laughs> but you don't pay a mortgage on under a bridge. <laughs> but anyway, look, 25 million, Ben. It, it, in, in America, in that America, Ben, in what the Americans, with all their hubris, call the domestic box office, that has Fuckers. got to number one. But just about, it only just pipped Barbie in its fourth week of release. Oh, really? Hmm. Just about pipped it. So it is the number one movie in America this weekend. But 25 million, Ben. For context, for a bit of context for you. Mm. Do you remember the film The Flash, Ben? Hmm. Do you remember that? I I would rather not, but I have seen it yeah. yes yeah yeah no one went to see it Ben The Flash made 55 million without without even trying no it did try but The oh, Flash yeah. made 55 million and Blue Beetle made 25 million Ben and I don't know if you know this about numbers but that is substantially less 
Get out of town. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Less than half. Oh, that's very awkward. I, oh, I'm going to have to go talk, call my accountant. You spin your wheels there. Um, <laughs> I've made some serious errors in repayments. Le- oh, fuck. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben has uh, Ben has invested heavily in Blue Beetle. While other people were buying Bitcoin, Ben was buying Blue Beetle NFTs. I thought it was Bitcoin. I thought it was a different type of bloody cryptocurrency, Blue Beetle. Yeah, no, scarabs, you were saying. I'm going to buy 100 million scarabs. But I tell you what, they didn't turn out to be any use because no one went to see Blue Beetle. Apparently it's fine, though. Apparently, apparently it's great I've got there's a lot of reviews in there like this is a good film it's a yeah. shame no one's going to see it nobody cares about Blue Beetle Blue Beetle never had a chance we knew it from the first trailer we saw that no one was going to, going to go and see this and Michael the best part about this is the best part about this is is that Hollywood will definitely learn the right lesson from it it's not the fact that there's a massive strike on at the moment no it's not the fact that you can't gear your celebrities up to go and promote the film no, 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 it's not that. It's not the fact that most people are staying away from the cinema at the moment because there's not much on and they can't advertise properly. Well, that's not true, Ben, because Barbie just literally days ago was a massive international hit. No, that that goes against my point, Michael, so I wasn't going to yeah. mention it. I'm yeah, just yeah, going to yeah. omit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic liar. It's called the, the colopy fallacy, Michael. The lie of omission, as they say. Yeah. Go on, anyway. Sorry, what were you saying? But, Michael, what they're going to say is, oh, it's, it's, all, it's all these Latino people. Nobody wants oh, Latino the, people in films. Latinos don't show up, they're going to say. That's what they're going to say. There's probably going to be a slur if it's someone yeah. at Disney, because the Disney executives seem to say terrible things behind closed doors. Allegedly. 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 Um, <laughs> Yeah, allegedly. Ben, the thing is, you could argue that Blue Beetle is a a crappy character that no one cares about anyway. He's a real C-lister. But so was Iron Man in 2007. He was. This could have been their Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. Especially because they seem to have made it as their Iron Man because it's a guy who becomes a Blue Beetle and fights a slightly bigger guy with the same powers. Do you know what really sets Iron Man and Blue Beetle apart, though? Robert Downey Jr. No, people went to see Iron Man. They did. Not that many. Not that many, but Not enough. Not that many. It was like 350 million box office for Iron Man. It was good, but it wasn't spectacular. Michael, I don't know if you know this about numbers, but 350 million is significantly more than 25. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, that was I've Iron just Man's- learned that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're learning a lot this week. That was Iron Man's <laughs> entire run, not just its opening weekend. But Blue Beetle is doomed. It's going It's absolute sham. It's going to fail completely. We'll be able to see it on streaming in a week or two. Michael, I tell you what, isn't doomed. What What is not doomed? Bloody Barbie. Barbie isn't doomed, Ben. Barbie is well on track, conversely, to being the biggest film of the summer. It's going to be huge, Michael. Ginormous, Ben. Big boingo books. Yeah. Um, bigger than Batman. It's uh, it, This week it passed Batman's box office, the, the, the Dark Knight box office, to become Warner Brothers' biggest film of all time. Oh, Christopher Nolan won't like that. That'll really chap his buns, won't it? Well, I don't know, because his intimate little no special effects drama Oppenheimer has massively benefited from this relationship. So, Michael... Will he mind? Will he mind? Michael, now, come here Go to on. me. Come here to me. What? I think... What is if it? If you look up fragile yes. white male ego in the dictionary, the Pictionary, that we yeah. all have because we struggle to read. Everybody has one. That's what my mum told me. Mm. I think you'll probably find a picture of Chris Nolan going, oh, it's not real cinema. It's not. Is he? Not is he that way inclined? Person. Is he a bit of a dickus? He's a bit of a dickus. Is he? Oh, he can be. Shame. 
Oh, can what be. a shame. What a shame for yeah. Chris Nolan. But anyway, I think what's going to be interesting about this is there are going to be like two or three different sides of the coin of this, of saying, watch Hollywood, watch, learn the wrong lesson. And this is my favourite, watch Hollywood, learn the wrong lesson. Because one part of Hollywood is going to say, one part is going to say, watch Hollywood, learn the wrong lesson and start releasing lots and lots of movies based on 80s childhood nostalgia. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, and then they'll be saying when really what it should be is movies directed for women, by women and about women. Yeah, I think they probably missed the point. It's not that, surely, Michael. It's not women. But, but Ben, there's there's two big movies this summer. Sorry, two big movies this year. Mm -hmm. Barbie. And Blue Beetle. No. Do you know no. what the only other, you know what the the only movie that's made more money than Barbie this year so far is? Iron Man? 80s children's nostalgia movie, The Super Mario Brothers. Oh fuck. So oh. Mm, maybe the people who are saying we need more films for women by women and about women are missing the point and what we actually need right now goddammit is the GI Joe movie again. Again. <laughs> Because now is the time for 80s childhood nostalgia movies. I want Channing Tatum back as Duke immediately. Benjamin, I don't think there has ever been an 80s childhood nostalgia movie series other than G.I. Joe, which has failed. I want G I want Channing Tatum back as, as Duke. He's dead. No, no, bring him back. No, he's we're, doing a, we're doing a hard reboot, Michael. My, I tell you what would work very, very well. Go on. A G.I. Joe movie in a similar tone to both Toy Soldiers and the Barbie movie. Oh, very good. But Benjamin, you, you know this and I know this and a little bit of a spoiler here. Go but on. the Hasbro Cinematic Universe is underway because in the post credit scene for Transformers Rise of the Transformers, the G.I. Joes showed up. Fuck off. And they were like, we were G.I. Joe the whole time. Oh. And the robots were like, oh, where are you? What does that mean? And I was like, well, you'll find out soon. Who is that? Who? Wait, is this real? Are you lying yeah. to me? No, no. The post credit scene for Transformers Rise of the Beasts was, oh, we need you, uh, the Latino guy, we need you, Latino guy, to be a G.I. Joe with us. And he was like, oh, all right, I guess. Yeah, sure. So he I was mean, a Transformer and a G.I. Joe? Well, he wasn't a Transformer. He just put on a Transformer suit. I was lied to then. I thought he turned into a Transformer. He put on a Transformer suit. I don't remember, Ben. <laughs> I didn't see it, Michael. Trubbish. I, I avoided like the plague. I was afraid there was going to be another classic. It's fine to sleep with miners. I have a card. Here, look. Yeah, yeah. yeah look, you can look at this. It's me, Jack Rayner from Dublin. Um, worst, ben worst representation of an Irishman on screen since Tom Cruise in Far and Away. Absolutely tanked that man's career, but look, that's none of our business. I haven't seen Jack Rayner in shit recently. He hasn't been in anything since that, ever since he was a rally-driving pederast. Ben, <laughs> you were saying recently yeah. that one of your favourite movie series was not Harry Potter. Yeah. Because Harry Potter didn't speak to your schooling. Yes. Because... My you know, you didn't go to a British boarding school. Mm. Um, you went to a fun summer camp with Americans. I did. So you said, <laughs> I don't know where this is going. It's all right, you're going to have to lean in now. I'm not going to yeah. help you. I actually know for a fact, hilariously, that you actually did go to a British Protestant boarding school. But that's neither here nor there. That's <laughs> that's a topic for another day. Um, 
you went to a fun American summer camp where everyone's children were gods and whatnot. Yep. And so your favourite series of uh, Supernatural boy going to Supernatural school growing up was Percy Jackson. Yeah, I went to Camp Pure Blood, Michael, and then it got very awkward when they started making us do that weird salute and dyeing our hair blonde, so I wrote to my parents to take us home. <laughs> Was it called Camp Pure Blood? No, it's Camp Half-Blood in the, in the oh, Percy Jackson Oh, I see series. what you've done. You've turned <laughs> yeah. it, you've, you've satirised yeah. it with Nazis. Yeah, yeah. As with That's... all good American satire these days. Yeah. You just, uh, you, just, you just give it a lash with Nazis. Just compare someone to Nazis. <laughs> Are you doing a satire? Who's Nazis? <laughs> Who's the Nazis in your story? Is it the conservatives or the woke agenda? Who's Nazis? Everybody's Nazis. That's the fun thing about America. Everybody's Nazis. Allegedly. Brilliant. Allegedly. Benjamin, I saw yeah. the trailer for Percy Jackson and the... What's it called? Olympians. And the Olympians. I tell you what, looks the same as the original one to me, but Alexandra Daddario's not in it anymore. Michael, now I tell you, things got pure interesting because I didn't realise people hated with such... First of all, I didn't realise Percy Jackson had such a vehemently fanatic fan base. Yeah, it's like um, it's like Harry Potter, but for bland Americans. Yeah, that, I mean, yeah, but we have to have one of those for every type of franchise we have. Go um, on. We have to have a blandified American version. Yeah, James on. Bond over here in the UK, Mission Impossible in the States. Oh yeah, Mission Impossible, James Bond for bland Americans. Is, is yeah, that's very funny. We had the Transporter over here in the UK. We got Fast and Furious over there in the States. Did you just say over here in the UK there? Oh, fuck. Is that what you just said? Fuck. Right. <laughs> That's it for is me, that, ladies and gentlemen. I can't even say a sure look, sure listen with a that, straight face anymore. It's just, just, just to check in, Ben, for a second. Did you just say, Fuck. we have James Bond Shit. over here in the UK? You've, oh. you've got 30. Benjamin Colopy. Benjamin Colopy. Yeah. The ghost of Michael Collins has just <laughs> appeared over my shoulder. And he said to me, he said to me in a Cork accent, which I'm not going to attempt. That's he said, right. now... No, you listen to me, by oh. You tell him. It's an old-timey Cork accent. I you see. tell him. You tell him to fucking explain what he just said now, or else I'm <laughs> coming and taking away his United Irishman card. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I am so sorry. I will retire from podcasting post-haste. <laughs> what I meant to say was, over there in the shit-eating UK... Um, <laughs> No, that's gone too far. You're going to frighten away our English listener. I can't win. I can't win. <laughs> anyway, President Jackson. can't win. Uh, Planned yeah. American Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Edge from WWE is in this. He is. Is he? Who is he? He's not the Edge. Yeah, I think he's his dad. I think he's Poseidon. <laughs> Which oh, is, is he beside? Yeah, it's Edge. It's not the it's Edge. Just edge. The it's edge. just I Edge. Said that, the... I said that during the week to someone and they were like, why the fuck would I care if the Edge was in Percy Jackson? Because they're yeah. a huge wrestling fan. And I was like, no, 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 no. It, it, you know, the Edge, the wrestler. And they're like, oh, Edge, you edge, idiot. Yeah. <laughs> the Edge like, is oh. the guitarist from U2, Ben. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. Really Popular weird. British band U2, as you, as you call them. Yeah. Popular, popular British band U2, fuck. Uh, Michael, we got no information from this trailer other than a recap of Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, which we saw many, many years ago. Yeah, Percy Jackson, give me back that lightning, I think it was called here. Yeah, with a bit more nuance. When they released it here, uh, it was called Percy Jackson, give me back that lightning, and everyone had funny accents. Ben, I don't really, 
I, I can't say I'm I'm not I'm not even going to roll my eyes over this. I I just doesn't I don't see it even looks the same. Yeah. I I don't care. Yeah, it's kind of preempting. <laughs> I don't care. It's kind of preempting the inevitable. We're about 3 or 4 years away from an inevitable bland retelling of Harry Potter. And Oh, it's no, that's coming. That's a that's official. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll see. And it's pretty much going to look like this, I reckon. Yeah, it's going to be the same thing. Be the same then, thing. yes, you were saying that one of your favourite films of recent times was Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I do like Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, actually. And now you're going to hit me with a fact that everyone was accused of sexual harassment on the set. Were they? I don't know. I don't think so. I, think, I hope uh, not. I think everyone's scot-free on that one. <laughs> hey! <but the-> <laughs> anyway, Ben, would you like to see that film remade, but as an animated series? No, thanks. I'm all right. Okay, well, uh, I don't know what to tell you then, because that's what's happening. Yeah, we got the teaser trailer for Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, the anime, Michael. Yeah. yeah. Um, same cast. Same cast. They got them all back together. Everybody's back everyone. on board. I, I don't think there's anyone not in it. Yeah, not a one. I, w- I heard the opening line of We Are Sex Bomb, Ben, and thought, that sounds very familiar. That sounds exactly like the movie. Yes, it sounds exactly like the actress from the movie who said that Because, line. I tell you why, it actually is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> What's the point of this? I think it's to pay homage to uh, the fans of the movie. Give them something is new. It? I don't know. What? I don't know. What Michael. I thought was maybe it was going to be a bit more of a... A bit more of a faithful retelling. Well, of it the is. Comic it's, book. it's based directly on both the art style and the comic book of Brian Lee O'Malley. Um, so, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World found a massive wave of bonus cinema fans when it came out, but it was already a very, 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 very successful comic book from Brian mm. Lee O'Malley. And it was a yeah. weird little anime. And. It was kind of a, a weird one. It it kind of launched Edgar Wright in that America over there. You know, it it kind of gave him his big American blockbuster moment. Go on. Was and it a success? It. I can't say. I I I I will look up the figures now, Michael. I think I think it was lukewarm. But I I think it's gotten what what the kids are calling a cult following. I think it has got a cult following, indeed. I think it's it generally has, regarded yeah. as quite a good film. I think it's a great film. I genuinely believe Scott Pilgrim vs. the World was an interesting, fun, out there film with a bit of experimentation. It's good. Mm. It's good. You know, it's good. But in general, Michael, I don't know if it aged that well. Oh, go on. In in that it's it's very stylized, and you know. That type of film has only become more popular. But as we know, Michael, when a very stylized thing becomes popular, it just gets a bit jaded because we churn out a lot of stuff that kind of does the same thing. Like what? Go on. I'm I'm interested in hearing more on this. Well, off the top of my head, my, well, I'll give you the box office first because I have it here in front of me. But I'll come back to that. Hang on. Where are the numbers? Only in its opening weekend, Michael. It had a... It had a... It had a decent... Well, it didn't really, actually. Um, it was all right. It did fine. It released in North America on August 13, 2010, opening in 2,818 teachers. And the first week of its release, Michael... This is this is ludicrous, Michael. Only 10.5 million. 14.1 adjusted for inflation. Yeah. 
So that's indie. not great. No, indie, lukewarm. I watched a very interesting interview with uh, young Michael Sarah there, Michael. Go on. And he was talking about how he had found himself in his career at a certain point, probably around the time this was released in the 2010s, Michael, where there mm. were a lot of films being released called indie, but they had massive studio blockbusters. They were like studio produced indies. Yeah. Um, and so it was actually kind of a myth to call it indie because it had a massive budget behind it. So I suppose by that metric, Michael, probably not great. Not great figures. Yeah, like, yeah but I don't like it. Scott Pilgrim versus the world was obviously a big production, but it wasn't a modern superhero blockbuster budget. No, probably not that. They probably made it for 40 or 50 million. Yeah, barely make my mortgage payment, Michael. Pocket change. You could pay for Ben's under the bridge accommodation in the UK with that amount. <laughs> see what you did there, you. Fuck. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Ben, look, I'll watch there. this. I think I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing it. I'm, I like Scott Pilgrim the movie, and I'm interested in seeing this. I yeah. So I think it follows just the arcs of the comic in a much more faithful way because they didn't have to shove it into a two-hour film. Mm, maybe. Mm. And maybe everyone's still horrible. The other thing about that, Michael, is fascinatingly. If we were to remake Scott Pilgrim as a film today, you'd never get it in a single film. They'd definitely do part one and we'd get the first, I don't know, six books of the manga and then we'd get part two and the other six books of the manga. You'd never mm. get a whole thing like that made today. Well, I think there'd be backlash against it anyway, Ben, because at least one of the characters would be described as toxic. Oh, yeah. Well, every, everybody's toxic, Michael. You and I oh, are yeah. toxic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Britney Spears actually wrote a song about you. Yeah, 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 she did, yeah. The famous Britney Spears song, Womanizer. <laughs> yes, it's a very famous song. Yeah. Uh, Michael, come here to me. You and I are in a codependent, toxic relationship. Oh, go on. Yeah, well, that's what we're in. That's what we're in. That was the other name for this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We thought it would be too on the nose. I thought you were doing a lead-in to another thing we were going to talk about. Oh, that would have been better, yeah. Sorry, you should do that. Go back. Imagine, ladies and gentlemen, that I didn't spoil my own great lead-in. <laughs> And uh, I, I talked mean, about <laughs> I talked about landscape with invisible hand. What's that even mean, <laughs> Michael? This is a movie, and because nobody's promoting these movies, the, the listeners might not have heard of it. I've only caught it in the last two weeks, Michael, because I saw two different trailers, two very different trailers, Michael, uh, on landscape with invisible hand. So what's happened is, by the looks of things, yeah, there are weird aliens that have come to Earth. Oh yeah, okay. And they're like anthropology aliens. Oh, they're going like, what's going on with humans? Yeah, so they're trying to understand humans. And in order to do that, Michael, a few different things have happened, right? Oh. Now, the first trailer I saw for this was pitched as a young, strange, romantic comedy. Now, this is a, a an interesting one for you. So, there are two people, and they decide to fall in love... And they decide to make money off the fact that they fall in love, but they don't. Know, we don't know as the audience how they're going to do that because in the first half of this trailer, Michael, the first trailer I saw for this, there's no mention of aliens. It's just it's I just, didn't see this first trailer. Ben. No, you have all news I, to me. This is where it gets very interesting, Michael. So we had no idea there was going to be aliens, and we thought it was just a classic. We're from a small town on different sides of the tracks, and we're in love with each other, and this is how our lives go. But then we see they clip in a little uh, modular unit just above their eyebrow, Michael, and it's a little streaming chip for the aliens in their spaceships above to watch their romance oh very clever and the more popular they become Michael the more money they make off the aliens because the aliens seem to have quarantined the earth and now run the economy 
Oh, that's some sort of uh, that's some sort of commentary Ben on commodifying happiness. Just about happiness. everything, Michael. I would say just about yeah, everything. Yeah. And so that's pretty interesting. And what happens is they get caught out because they fall out of love, and then they're accused of faking it by the aliens, and they have to pay back all the money they make. It's a pastiche of social media. But Michael, but what? Michael, what? Then we got this trailer, the second this trailer. So. What is this then? An anthology? Is this an anthology no, of little stories? No, it's a stories? single film. Okay. But the second trailer, Michael, has nothing to do with that. It's Tiffany Haddish. What's she up to? She's the mother of one half of the couple I just described. Ah, I see. Okay. And she has to marry one of the aliens. Yeah. Because they want to study what marriage is like. Another, another commentary, Michael. Yeah, I've actually seen this already. This was called Third Rock from the Sun, and it was a 1990s sitcom. It gave us the gift that is John Lithgow. Ah, uh, no. John Lithgow had already been around a long time before that. Yes, and Harry and the Hendersons. Yeah. He and was a French Stewart. And t- he was French Stewart? No, French Stewart was French Stewart. Yes, French Stewart was French Stewart. Right, yeah. moving on from there, Michael. But this looks it to be... Did, a- it did give us the, go- the, ge- the, the gift that is Joseph Gordon-Levitt, though. I don't know if that's a gift. <laughs> Oh, he was in uh, 500 Days of Summer, one of your favourite romantic comedies. He seems like a bit of a dose, Michael. Ah, yeah, he does seem like a bit of a dose. He does, he does. But the aliens in this seem like a bit of a dose, Michael. Uh, (laughs) They they don't seem like a fun bunch at all. Uh, So what we get in this is is very much an investigation into what we put put up with as, as love, I think, Michael. So she obviously needs money because apparently the economy has run into the ground and there's very little to do. There's a lot of commentary mm. from the kids in the film about how this isn't real life and how they're kind of living in a cage or a box or, you know, it's all very bland. Yeah, because the aliens have sorted everything out. And because it's America and bland Americans love knockoff kind of <laughs> third rock from the sun things. So... What we're getting is kind of a commentary on... So I suppose in the first one, it's how we perform love on social media in trailer number one. All right. And then in the second one, it's probably a commentary on how we can miscommunicate or marry the wrong person. And how is that things what it's stem. I don't know. I couldn't say, Michael. It's based on a novel um, from a man called M.T. Anderson. Okay, M.T. Anderson. M.T. Anderson. That sounds like a non-diplume... Uh, it probably is. M.T. Anderson, Michael. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was taken, so he probably just went with that. So, M.T. Anderson, Michael, uh, wrote this novel in 2017. That's quite recent. It's very, very recent, Michael. And as with many things we've covered on this podcast lately, um, including The Changeling last week, Michael, our worst reel of recent times, by the way. I'm very upset with the reception to our changeling reel but Victor no Lavelle wrote the changing nobody cares Victor Lavelle wrote his in 2018 so apparently we've we've run out of content in classic books so now we're just snapping things up as soon as they come out we're like oh yeah. okay have you finished writing that yet we need to make a mediocre TV show or a mediocre film please give mm. us a chance so yeah anyway I don't I don't know what to say about it, Michael. It looks to be a kind of commentary on modern love and how performative it can be. And yeah, sure, we'll we'll probably give it a watch, Michael, because there's nothing else on. (laughs) There's nothing else on, Ben. The aliens are gross little fleshy footstools. He's called a fleshy coffee table in the trailer. Oh, yeah. Mm. Mm. Gross. Mm, Gross little square fellas. I tell you what, 
Hollywood thinks is gross these days, though, Michael. Kissing. Kissing. I'll have less of it. I'll have less of it. <laughs> no one's ever kissing anymore, Ben, in films. No one's ever having a snuggy-wuggy. So, Ben, we're talking about why, what's going on. We're not going to. Well, we're going to hope I not. No, <laughs> I hope we're not going to wow. get too much into the weeds here on like whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. Because I, whether this is a good thing or a bad thing is very much up to personal opinion. Yeah. Um so we're not saying this is progress or this is a backslide in society. We're just saying that we've noticed that there's a lot less kissing and riding in films these days. Yeah. And what might be causing that and what's going on. And the kind of major reasons that made us kind of notice it were a couple of recent releases for me. Yeah, go on. In, in particular, The Meg and Twisted Metal. Oh, yes. The Meg, especially, because The Meg has one of the most chaste, virginal, hands-free romances I've ever seen on screen. Where... Jason Statham seems to enter a relationship with the Chinese lady character um, through mutual respect and friendship. Yeah. Uh, mm. But are they a couple? I don't know. They they seem to be, but we certainly don't see it. It's all best left implied. No. Exactly. So um, that was one of the... And have you seen The Meg too, Ben? I haven't. I haven't had ben, the pleasure. Ben, he adopts her daughter. She dies. She dies off screen. What do you mean she dies off screen? Did the Meg get her? No, no, his, his like, his Chinese girlfriend, I guess, dies off screen and, and he has now adopted her daughter. So he has a adopted teenage girl follower. It's weird. I don't anyway. like that. No, I didn't love it. But um, then the other thing that I saw recently and... Ben, there's dogs in the background. So many people are going to complain. There is. I'm sorry. That's not even a dog in this house. It's just... <laughs> there were people complaining last time there were dogs. People just hate dogs on People podcasts. hate dogs being sad. Hang on. I'll go close a window. Hold on. You spin your wheels there. Keep spinning. Well, Benjamin, the other thing that made us think about the, the change in the landscape of romance or attraction or doing a big kiss on films and in TV was Twisted Metal. Because Twisted Metal, despite coming out in 2023, is in many ways feels like a bit of a throwback to the olden days where a male heroic character goes on an adventure and gets the girl. And not only does he get the girl, but he gets the girl in a big kissy face... uh, it's not explicit, but it's, um, well, I suppose explicit. Not explicit in a, like, triple X sort of way, but an explicit lovemaking scene between two characters. Ooh. Um, well, oh, that's interesting that you've said that. Like, you're not seeing gross bits banging off each other, Ben. I don't want to see it's any bits, like, Michael. I'm, it's not I'm, like... I'm in a classic no-sex-in-films camp. I'm delighted with this development. Are you? Oh, I find it so uncomfortable. That's funny, because I've seen your internet search history. <laughs> It's such a dichotomy. <laughs> the dichotomy of man, Michael. Very good. So that's that's what made us think about um, 
what's what's the deal with the no sex in films? Yeah, that's and that's that's what we're here to talk about, Michael. So, Michael, I've prepared for you. I have prepared for you a little jaunt through the world of how did we get here? Oh yeah, go on. How how did romance start out on films? So, in general, Michael. Much like anything that we watch, monsters, bloody sci-fi tropes, whoever the spy of the week is, it's a reflection of what we're feeling in society overall. All right. It's not particularly groundbreaking to say that cinema is a mirror of humanity. Oh. All right. Wow. No, it's not. I haven't blown your mind. Fuck you. Oh, How dare calm you? Calm down. How dare Ah, oh, fuck off. <laughs> right. Okay. So, come here to me. Yeah, what is it? The early days of cinema... Romance was one of the biggest genres, and you had to have your romance scene with it. It was just... Ben, if I was around the 20s and you said, do you want to go see a film? And I would have said, is there any kissing in it? And if you said no, I wouldn't have gone. You wouldn't have gone, Michael. Because the only place you could see a bit of the... A bit of the fucking, uh, how's your mother? You know, a bit of that. A bit of hanky-panky, as it were, Michael. Mm. In live action. In live action. Was the cinema... And Michael, let's not forget, at that time, fucking very good looking people in the cinema. Oh, go on. We didn't have as much media depicting beautiful people in the 1920s. Right, go on. The means of reproduction wasn't there, Michael. No, they had Willies. No, no. (laughs) Very good, Michael. But the means of image reproduction were not to the level that they are today. I mean, sure, you could go and have a look at a picture in a gallery of some some bloody model from 1865 with with her midriff on display, Michael. You could do that. I suppose you could go and see a burlesque if you wanted. You could. You could probably go get a burlesque. It was pr- get a burlesque. Is that get is a that burlesque? How you say it? Yeah, yeah, that's right. definitely how you say it. Yeah, yeah, okay. You could probably go stick a coin in a meter and watch a bloody flashy picture show. Uh, yeah, what are they called? Zoetropes. Zoetropes. Yeah, no, they're, no, they're tyranids from Warhammer. <laughs> no, zoetropes. Uh, yeah, so you could go and get yourself a tyranid. That was good. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. And Michael, the one of the biggest ones that we had to have was the heteronormative relationship. Big strong man. Demure woman, damsel in distress, very very often. Slight changes on that. You might get you might get a broad with a bit of a lip on her, like a Casablanca. Yeah, a broad, but, I think they're called. Yeah, but overall, Michael, overall, you had your very in their lane, sturdy male lead character, leading female character, good amount of snogging at the end of the film, possibly a slap somewhere in there. <laughs> That's pretty much what your search history says, yeah. Not great. Fuck you. <laughs> right. <laughs> so that moved on from there, Michael. And yeah. we moved into the 1950s and 60s. And that was the boom of romantic comedy. And that coincided, I suppose, Michael, with kind of the growth of promiscuity in our society. Where oh, young not people in our were... society, Ben. No huh? one was fucking in the 50s in Ireland. No. There was an absolute drought. Children were brought about by suffering and immaculate conception. <laughs> if there was sufficient suffering, another child would spout out of the potato field. Out of the potato field. You'd be going along, picking up your potatoes, and every once in a while, yeah. out would pop a baby. And you'd go, ah, fuck, Bridget. It's another oh, one. Another child of suffering, Bridget. 
child of suffering. That or the second most popular theory, which was the hangover fumes from whenever the Elfalo was in the pub would coalesce into a single little bouncing baby boy. Very good. So women came from the potato fields. Men came from hangover fumes. That's how it worked. From the pints, yeah. And the, from the pints. Too many pints. Now... Michael, the rise in kind of a more open culture outside of Ireland, naturally, um, gave rise to our very kind of idealized American things. Things like Roman Holiday in 1953, Breakfast at Tiffany's in 1961, you know, uh, Some Like It Hot. These kind of films started to surge forward. They started to come out and they were very, very popular depictions of kind of jaunty romps about America. Why, Catherine, I think I'm feeling that I might like to give you a big kiss. It's either that or I want to suck you in the chops. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, America's terrible. Um, So, anyway. (laughs) Then, Michael, we got the art house films of the late 60s and the counterculture movement of the 1970s. And we began to really charge ahead with second wave feminism and we started to challenge those stereotypes in films and we got films like Annie Hall where women had full agency and things like that Woody Allen bad bloke but Annie Hall was a fairly seminal film for shaking down the stereotypes of romance in film go on Um, and so that came along and we had a smart talking woman who was very very capable and a man who didn't really know how to get her but then again Woody Allen knew how to get women it was through harassment anyway we'll do that another time we'll talk about that on another podcast (laughs) and she had a tie on then even though she had a a tie on and it's they say to this day Diane Keaton has never taken that tie off yeah Yeah, even in the nude she's just wearing a tie she's just wearing that tie that's uh, that's just triggered one specific person somewhere in the world that has triggered their specific Diane Keaton in nothing but a tie kink. Yep, it's mixed search history, ladies and gentlemen. There we go. (laughs) Who can play at this game, you son of a bitch? So anyway, that brought us into the diversity and inclusivity kind of surge of movies where we got a little bit more of... uh, uh, desegregated America introduced to us in the 1980s films um, sex was in in the 1980s Michael a lot of glistening bodies a lot of taut yeah. bums that kind ben, of thing oh, oh have you ever seen the film Terminator yes and that naturally coincided with the bodybuilding era of thing and so sex became far less about romance and far more about people kind of mashing their hard bodies together mm. Mm. and you don't like that I'm not a huge fan of it in cinema, Michael, I tell you. I'm not really. I'm not really. It's not for me. But Benjamin, if Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor hadn't made passionate love on screen, then John Connor wouldn't have been born to lead the human revolution. Yeah, you see, I don't think that's true, Michael. But they would How were we supposed to know that they'd fallen in love and had a big sex? Because you could just, you just do it in the next movie. There's just a baby. Oh, the Chinese method. <laughs> yeah, the Chinese method. Or you go out to the potato field on a yeah. wet day. All right. And just stick your hand in the deepest puddle you can find and there it is. Every movie in the 80s, Ben, that was an action movie had an action movie for adults or a like a thriller for adults. Every single one of them had at least heavy petting. Ah, oh, a little a, bit of a little bit of heavy petting, Michael. If not full-on sex scenes, or a classic tense moment in a tight corridor or elevator mm. shaft or something, just press those hard bodies Except together. Except Die, Die Hard doesn't have a sex scene. It's not allowed. Holly Gennaro's being held by Alan Rickman. It's not allowed. Yeah, yeah. 
It's very hard to have a sex scene with Alan Rickman watching and going, <laughs> excellent. It's handy to have a policeman's wife. Mm. Mm. <laughs> that was, I don't know if that was a great Alan Rickman. It was a shit Alan Rickman impression. <laughs> I'm disgusted with myself. But <laughs> very poor. <laughs> Come here to me. The biggest amount of diversity that we've seen, Michael, is probably from the 2000s onwards. We were in our third wave feminism era, so that kind of shit didn't fly anymore. And one of the things that we got mostly out of the 2000s to 2010 era of romantic comedy and romance on screen in general is the depressing real-life depiction of how sometimes love just doesn't work out classic knocked up so you yeah not uh, no not quite but not quite the same but you said it earlier michael eternal so or not eternal sunshine i suppose my 500 days of summer michael you said 500 mm. days of summer a very realistic depiction of sometimes you can have a big fantasy in your head maybe you think you're gonna get the girl but just because you want her doesn't mean you get her joseph gordon levitt yeah, well, that was actually a character he was playing then. That wasn't the actor. That wasn't a biography of the actor Joe Scott. Oh, no, it was. Okay. Oh, you um, spoke about it behind the, the scenes. It's funny you say that, right? Because yeah. I actually... The... It's funny, right? As an adult in 2023... Yeah. I, I kind of see things as, like, the 80s, the 90s, a blur now. <laughs> the 90s, a blur now. Yeah. So... Two decades have passed. The 2010s and the twenty and the 2000s have passed. Mm. And I don't think that it has been a steady curve of increasing um, conservatism or no. not, desire not... Because there was a peak in the mid-2000s of everything had sex scenes in it. Everything. Yeah. And cinema... Yes, but it was the peak of sex scene-led TV, big-budget TV shows. Nipples on HBO. Nipples on HBO. Think, Ben, (laughs) of the difference between Game of Thrones Season 1 and Game of Thrones Season 8. Yeah. Game of Thrones Season 1, we saw every character's bodily bits. Everybody. Everybody, whether we wanted to or not, except Varys. Because he had the incident. That's um, so interesting that they wouldn't show that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It probably would have been a bit too much uh, special effects work. Hashtag eunuch um, representation now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, mm. if you compare season one, two, three of Game of Thrones from the early 2010s, or was it 2009 even? Um, it's everywhere, the last, couple, the last couple of years, yeah. the cultural difference in that short time is incredible. Yeah, it's there huge. Is, very little nudity and kissing. Strangely enough, there, there, there's dozens as sex scenes are being eliminated from popular culture to a degree. I think mm-hmm. um, from general popular culture, uh, it doesn't seem to it doesn't seem to matter that you can still show men's bums. Men's bums are the last kind of all right thing that we'll accept on screen. I think Thor: Love and Thunder. Thor Love and Thunder was a very famous one, but also comparing, say, the the vast variety of sex scenes from the early days of Game of Thrones to the last series, the last two series, where if you're lucky, you might see Jon Snow's bottom. Tush. His little tushy. His little tushy. It's called the His tushy clause, ladies tushy. and gentlemen, and it means that every male star has to get their buns out just the once. <laughs> Just the once at least. Anyway, sorry. Um, but, I mean, that era was just full of full nudity and sex on TV. 
Yeah, so I mean, I think there's a few different things that have probably Benjamin, shaped it. Yeah. The TV show Spartacus contained <laughs> the line where your favourite actor of all time, whose name I've now forgotten, the guy from The Mummy. How could you forget Brendan Fraser? Not Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Brendan Fraser's not in, Gla- in Spartacus. Arnold Voulis. No, Apostolou. Um, he'll... He's my favourite character. He's from he's from Northern Ireland. What's his name? John Hanna. John Hanna. John Hanna's There's Scottish. But anyway. Oh, he's Scottish. You're sure. thinking of James Nesbitt. I am thinking of James Nesbitt. <laughs> John Hanna says in, in an episode of Spartacus, he says, Ben, remove cock from hand and take her arse. Right. Okay. And you wouldn't get that in 2023, I don't think. All right. I don't think so, John. I don't think that'll John Hanna, Now, Ben. John Hanna was playing a character. John Hanna didn't write that line. I think he did, Michael. I think famously, what we always forget is that stars are the characters they play in yeah. franchises. Yeah, yeah, and are responsible for the acts of the character, no matter how reprehensible. That's why yeah. Killian Murphy's in jail. Yeah, that's why we put him there. <laughs> yeah, because he kept trying to poison everyone with uh, scarecrow gas. And uh, Killian, it's not. He was down the local pub in Cork, just going nah. Yeah. And we're like, Killian, will you stop that? Just stop out of that, Killian. We shy away from me Ma- now. It was the ghost of Michael Collins, Ben, who <laughs> appeared and said, Stop uh, Scarecrow gassing everyone. Stop anyway, fear gassing people, Killian. We could have used you in the war. But not oh, yeah. now, Killian. Not now. Actually, there's a lad up in Dublin there that does a podcast. Get him. <laughs> Go, get him. Go get his union card back off him. Go get him. But anyway, come here to me. What? There's a few different reasons for this massive shift. Number one, our conversations and understanding around sex have shifted quite heavily. The the notion of... This is neither... Again, we should probably re- reiterate, Michael. This is not a good thing or a bad thing. It's, Go on. We're not saying it's one thing or the other. It's just the way things have gone. Mm. Um. And I think there are probably a few things that have have shifted things significantly. The number one thing, Michael, is the notion of consent. Um, I don't agree that that is the number one thing. All right. Okay, it might not be the number one thing. But I I think it was heavily, heavily influential in deciding how we represent certain things. Especially, Michael, when it came to harmful tropes in media. For example, Michael, I've just watched The Mummy with Brendan Fraser. We might mm-hmm. even do an episode on it next week. That's We're funny, ladies and gentlemen, because we are doing an episode on it. We are doing an episode, yes. That's why you watched it. But come here to me. There's what? a scene in it where Brendan Fraser lunges forward in his prison cage and yeah. snogs Rachel Weisz full on the mouth. Rachel Weisz. Rachel Weisz. Rachel Weisz beer. Um, Is she, uh, in the version you saw, was she just made of a, a big stack of Nintendo consoles? Yes, that was it. Rachel okay. Weeze. Yeah. Yes. So Rachel Weiss gets full on snogged out of nowhere. And all I could think in my head was, Jesus, you'd never see that today. You wouldn't see that today, Ben. And that's why the the era of the heroic leading man getting the girl, going on an adventure and getting the girl seems to be mostly over. But that's not a bad thing, Michael. Because No, hold on. We just said that we're saying it's it isn't or it okay. isn't a good well, thing. And then you've said no, it's not a bad thing. In terms so of harmful media stereotypes. In terms of harmful media stereotypes. Yes. Probably not a bad thing that the big strong man giving her a, a kiss. Yeah. 
is gone. Uh, I don't necessarily agree that that is harmful, Ben, because I don't think there's evidence that that is harmful. All right. Well, that's fair enough, Michael, and that's your opinion. But we might say, Michael, that possibly mass representation of such an action could possibly, could possibly reflect things poorly. The other interesting theory to this... Hold on. No, hold on. Just before we go on on that, because that's very interesting. It's a very interesting thing. I mean, this is a generational shift. Different yeah. people are writing these movies for different audiences. Absolutely. But, I mean, sure, yes. Rick, what's Rick's name? Uh, Rick O'Connell. Rick, Rick, Rick O'Connell. O'Connell. Rick O'Connell, you know, by modern standards, oversteps his boundaries there laying a big kiss on her. Oh, he does? Yeah, he does, for sure. Oh, but also, you know, they kill a shitload of people in that movie. Yes. So, it's it's weird that... Like, we might argue that, uh, like, it's good that we're no longer having people going for kisses without consent. But, you know, the movie, he also throws people off a boat and potentially kills them over a disagreement about a map. But they were foreign lads, so it's fine. (laughs) So anyway, no, anyway, look, my point is that. I, I don't think that this is necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to discuss. But uh, I am going to stop you, though. Anytime you assume that this is progress, I'm going to stop you and say... That's fair. That That's I fair. don't necessarily agree that it's progress. It's change. And I'm not saying it's for the worse, but I'm not saying it's comprehensively, undeniably for the better either. You heard it here anyway, first, what? ladies and gentlemen. Mick Leonard against progress. <laughs> That's, that's, that's what I, I heard I think everyone should just be grabbing strangers on the street and giving them a big kiss and a big kiss but and quickly, anyone who disagrees with me is a fucking extremist <laughs> Michael you hit me with a pretty good one there you said a generational difference there has been a shift in in both how we romance and how we represent it on screen um, so like it's it's very interesting to think that it's not a necessary part of storytelling to make your two lead characters fall in love anymore. Yeah, very much not. But so obviously there's a generational shift as well. But I don't think you can ignore that this is mostly coming from two countries. <laughs> ben, are there werewolves there? <laughs> I think there might be werewolves in Ben's house. Is that why the rent is so cheap? Are you surrounded by werewolves? A second. If this was a if this was a nineties werewolf action film, you'd fall in love with one of them and do a big huge kiss. Yeah, I think it's just normal dogs. It's just normal dogs, Ben. There's gonna be so many complaints. We got so many complaints last time that there were normal dogs on the podcast. Back to me. Come on, let's let's get on. Let's do more. It's just normal dogs, just, just innocent normal dogs. normal dogs. Ben, yeah, I don't think it can be ignored that these this change in values, this change in interest in depicting love and romance and you know attraction on screen or the way that it's depicted comes from the influence of big American business interest and Chinese business interest. Well, go on, tell me more about that then. Well, the the more and more films are funded by the Chinese, as we well know. 
Yes. Um, a grand bunch of lads. A grand bunch of lads. If only they'd funnel some of that money over to Sure Look, Sure Listen. We'll shill. We'll shill. We won't even, we will not kiss each other ever if uh, the Chinese will back us. We won't even hint at it with a scene full <laughs> of sexual tension. Yeah. And no, we won't. Oh God, we won't even have that. We'll just have respectful professional relationships with people that somehow blossom into and then they fell in love just in text at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um but I think there is not an appetite from international from large conservative countries. Go on. Big big movie spending budgets and big movie censors for that kind of thing. So particularly when a movie is funded by Chinese production companies, you know that there is going to be no romance in it. Um, yeah. So any of the rocks movies in which the 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 funding has come from China, generally you can be pretty sure action movie or not, uh female lead co-lead or not. If they do fall in love, it will be in a very professional, chaste way. Yes, I really respect your rock-hard abs, Mr. Rock. Yeah, well, I really respect your family values. And I really respect the way that you've teamed up with us to solve this problem. Teamwork really gets me there, Mr. Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Exactly. Let's make love off screen. Nom, 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 nom. (laughs) Exactly. So there's that. But there's also the fact that a lot of the leading men of Hollywood are kind of, and this, I call this the the Tom Cruise effect. They've kind of aged out of kissing. You can't have Tom Cruise, 60-year-old Tom Cruise on screen kissing 35-year-old women in the modern environment and not have people going, this feels coercive. I don't know if I want to... So Tom Cruise stopped kissing in films about 15 years ago, I think. I think the church told him he had to. I, I don't... Well, that's the thing, right? What What has led to it? What has led to Tom Cruise now only having chased... I mean, the, the relationship between Tom Cruise's character, uh, Mission Impossible, and the female character from that, played by Rebecca Ferguson. What the hell is her name? Ilsa something. Ilsa, yeah. Ilsa Faust. Ilsa Faust. The relationship between them is a fabulous example of what I'm talking about. That long hug in Venice, Michael. Yeah, they had a long hug in Venice, didn't they? And anything else that happened, happened off screen and we don't need to worry ourselves about it. Michael, what in fuck's name was that scene? That's what I mean. That's what I'm getting at. There's this implication that they might be in love and fucking if you want. If if you want to do a headcanon for it. He just thinks she's um, his sister, Michael. He's just very committed to his sister, Ilse Faust. But this is kind of what I mean. I, I Like, I'm not implying, and I hope it's clear that I'm not implying that there's like this... I'm not, I'm not saying that there isn't at the same time, but I'm not implying there's like this shadowy, secret, Chinese, Sino-American, conservative body saying, take all romance out of films or else you can't release it in our markets. But there's a commercial there might be I don't think there is but there's a commercial pressure on them that movies that only hint at things like that have a wider market these days 
Yeah, I mean, they do seem to be essential, and there is there is definitely concrete enough evidence, Michael, that a threat to the Asian distribution of a film is enough to make the film go. Oh. Yeah, the so. the most recent example, non romantically of that, Michael, was Barbie. Um, yes, Barbie represented a map. There's a there's a map on screen in the Barbie film for, I'd say, five seconds. Um, and weird Barbie pulls down a map of the world drawn in crayon and censors either in Taiwan, Vietnam or China ah sorry it was in China took issue to the fact that Taiwan was represented as its own country I think I don't think it was I think it was Vietnam took issue with the lines that were drawn in the South China Sea that might have been it I think it was that but that's very interesting and they changed it for the Vietnamese market. Mm. Now that's yeah, not yeah. quite China as the Vietnamese would have you know. Yeah. Um, but And you're well aware of that bit. And I'm well aware of that. But it's enough to show that they will change for the Asian market. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we know that for a fact that they'll change for the Asian market but what I'm really talking about is um, I suppose what I'm getting at is at the end of, of the day, all of these decisions, I, I don't think are moral decisions. I think no. they're financial decisions. Yeah. And it's like, okay, we could have our male lead be sexually aggressive, but is that going to cause so much backlash in America and China, our two biggest markets, that it's probably not worth it? Maybe. Yeah. Mm. I, I think like there's there's all kinds of reasons it could be, Michael. But like one of the interesting ones we've seen in other cases is it's definitely a political decision or like the the one I the one that jumps to mind for me, Michael, is Ant-Man 3. <laughs> yes, go on. Evangeline Lilly and Paul Rudd are supposed to be in a committed relationship with each other. And all they do is hug at the end of the film after they defeat the man that nearly kills Scott. Yeah. They yeah. have a big, long hug. A nice big hug, yeah. But, you know, the Marvel movies have gone that way as well. The Marvel movies, the early Marvel movies were about the big strong hero saves the day and gets the girl. Yeah. Like Hulk had whatever Liv Tyler his name was. Betty Ross. Uh, Tony had Pepper. Pepper Potts. Um, Captain America had um, Peggy. Peggy Carter. Uh, Thor had Jane. Yeah. And that is very much not a thing anymore. And we just got rid of all of them over time, Michael. Yeah, well, we got rid of the, the male leads as well, Like to be fair. Like, Tony Stark's gone. Um, the, uh, most of those characters are gone these days. But we haven't but reinstated the, the notion of relationships at all. No, exactly. So pretty much all of the modern movies, I, I, I suppose it comes close to being an exception, except for the last one, Guardians of the Galaxy, had a male lead who was up to stuff but, but he this was is very much portrayed as a degenerate yeah but this is the interesting thing for me michael so on. one of the things that we saw that massive shift from after 2010 was realistic depictions of love and more importantly the, the kind of breakdown of romantic love which is a weird thing but it does seem to have shaped how we look at films or how we look at romance in things like the marvel universe because in in that block of time let's say from 2008 to 2015 where we got the large launching franchises of our marvel world go on 
where we were focused on comic accuracy and you know who would be a good partner from the comics for this character um in in the case of tony stark it's pepper Potts. in the case of thor it's jane etc but over time michael even the ones that we established as a full romantic interest peter quill and gamora mm-hmm. on the other side of that years later nearly a decade later michael, when we got the third installment not only do they not reconcile the love that they lost they both just go no this is grant it's fine yeah but the the other thing about that particular relationship in cinema is Peter Quill and Gamora practically entirely happens off screen too. It does. That's true. I, That's I, true. Like I don't know how many times they kiss on screen. Yeah. It might be once. It might be none. I think it's once. I think it's at least once. Is it? I don't know. Does he throw the head in 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 one or two? I don't remember. I, because like I said, it, it pretty much entirely happens off screen by that time in the in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Absolutely. Bizarre. The other reason Ben that we're seeing less and less romance in in films is modern heroines don't need romance they don't they're strong independent women that literally need no man and that is the huge backlash that's happening on the internet at the moment about the upcoming Snow White oh I think the Snow White (laughs) thing is I think that's a very unfortunate situation so for people that don't know about this right Snow White is being remade in live action, as all Disney movies are, yeah. and it stars Gal Gadot and causing and causing controversy, as all Disney live Disney action, live action do. films do. Gal Gadot is the evil queen, and green screen is going to be her scene partner for most things. And then yeah. <laughs> uh, it also stars Rachel Ziegler, 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 I believe. Yeah, she was in Shazam. She was in Shazam, and she's going to be Snow White. Now, unfortunately for Rachel Ziegler, she has been very outspoken about how romance will not be the central focus of this. She said she's not dreaming of a prince coming to save her. She's dreaming of how she's going to be a badass female leader. Now, yeah, (laughs) go on. The internet is fucking furious at her. On both sides, it's very, very interesting because there's been kind of a turn against what we now phrase as girl boss feminism. Right. You know, women can do it all and fuck men and blah, blah. That's gotten a little bit of backlash in the last couple of years. You know, the the, the girl boss by any means necessary, ruthless kind of feminism. But a lot of a lot of other women have been like, it's fine to fall in love. It's okay. And you have the, kind of the conservative right being like, what's so wrong with falling in love with a man and blah, blah, blah. So there's mm. all kinds of weird backlash there. But I don't think Rachel Ziegler thinks these things at all. I think Rachel Ziegler is being fed talking points by a Disney executive board. Being like, we're How going to push reckon? the feminist. I think so. I do. I just thought Rachel Ziegler was a young political person who, she's only like 22. Yeah, she's only a kid. And I, I know it is the very definition of hubris for me a 40 year old to be saying 22 year olds are sometimes idiots but i think like it this is a this is another it's another aspect of in the 50s and 60s and 70s people just made movies and got on with it i'm not saying that like movie stars didn't have political opinions and sometimes didn't take talk about them but it seems like Rachel Ziegler has been waiting for her chance to go. This is this is I'm going to make a point, and Disney must be going. Oh, I I thought Disney would be going. 
did you have to make a point? To the point, to the point, Michael, that the son of the original co-creator of Snow White has come out yeah. and blasted her for yeah. this. He's like, Walt Disney and my father would be turning in their graves. And I was like, I don't know if you want to align your father too morally with Walt Disney. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Famous, oh maybe God. a tiny little mustache isn't so bad, Disney. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so um, the kind of core of, of, of sleep, of not Sleeping Beauty, of Snow White, of True Love's Kiss will sort it all out for you. That's not going to be happening. So, I don't know. Is she going to wake herself up? A self-smooch? I don't know. I don't know. Is she going to wake... Mm-hmm. Is she just going to... <laughs> one of the classics? One of the classics. The, uh... the good the old arm bar smooch? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe the power... But I, I don't know. Maybe maybe she's gay in this representation. Who knows? No, but she has... Like This is the interesting thing. We haven't really talked or distinguished between straight and gay relationships in this conversation. I don't know if we're qualified to, Michael. I don't know. Well, we could, it's, that's never stopped us before. It's but, true. We do have the brazen audacity of two white men. Exactly, yeah. Um, I have the brazen audacity of two white men, let alone you also being involved. Um, <laughs> but Ben, what, I, what I'm saying is, it's not that, like, it's not that she's saying no man is going to come along and and save me she might be saying that too but she's basically saying love isn't going to be a solution for this being a strong leader is going to be a solution for this how do you lead in a coma <laughs> yeah how is she going to wake up is she just going to are the dwarfs going to gather around her and say Snow White we need you to lead us out of the darkness and she'll wake up is, is, that, is it going to be that on the nose I don't know I'm not going to see it anyway, but I'd love to know. I can't wait to read what does it on Wikipedia. Ladies and gentlemen, what do you think the resolution to 2025's live-action Snow White is? At this stage? I don't know. It might never get made, Michael. Who knows? Um, Come here to me. Come here to me. That's the other interesting thing is Rachel Zegler not part of SAG-AFTRA because she's making comments on a movie which is technically promoting it. Yeah, she's really... She's being dragged through the coals um, because... She, uh, she did. A, she was on the picket line, Ben. I don't. I don't know. If there, I'm not piling on to Rachel Zeigler here, um, or I, not intentionally, anyway. But apparently, she was on the picket lines and was asked about it. And rather than saying, "I am one of the biggest up and coming names in Hollywood, and I'm here to support the people who are on minimum wage and oh, struggling yes. to live," she went off on one about herself. And how she's playing one of the most iconic Disney characters and she had to be in makeup for four hours a day and she deserves every cent. She- oh, dear. And uh, it was kind of like, oh, I think you've missed the point a little bit there because kind of the message of this strike is we're all in this together. Hollywood megastars <laughs> we're talking about. It's we're all linking hands to protect the little guys. Yeah, I don't know. But it's to protect the little guys and... Rachel Zeigler. But that's kind of what I was talking about where I was saying maybe she's just a bit of a dummy. Yeah, maybe she just <laughs> maybe doesn't get it. Just, maybe she's just young and opinionated and someone in Disney is going, <laughs> Oh no. This is not very smart, guys. Yeah, but look, I don't know because I don't know her and I, I would hate to cast aspersions on her. Yeah, she she might be razor sharp. 
Ladies and gentlemen, what aspersions would you cast on Rachel Ziegler? You can get in touch with us in a few different ways to let us know. You can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabeug.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. does indeed. You can find us also on the interwebs at www.shomrabeug, or no, www.shurluxurlistenpodcast on ACAST just type it in there you'll find it it's no just type it in you'll find it you'll find, find it, it yourselves um, <laughs> you'll find us on Instagram at Shalukshu Listen uh, yeah you'll find us on TikTok at Shalukshu Listen if you're on there if you're on there Rachel, TikTok's doing very well Rachel's Michael I tell you TikTok might overtake our Instagram a bit more pushing a bit more lashing it in there oh yeah oh yeah oh, fast yeah, growing yeah, yeah. Fast growing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to have your yes. say, the best way to chat to us about anything raised on this podcast is get up on that Discord, baby. Hop up on it. Tell us if you want to see sweaty bodies intertwined while soft 80s rock plays. Or would you rather an implication that they might have had a little small kiss between movies? I'd rather not see either. Get it off my screen. Um, <laughs> Jesus is the only romantic relationship for me. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> what a twist I did not see that coming I thought you were going to reveal that you're an aromantic But no <laughs> It was Jesus the whole time It was Jesus the whole time No one ever suspects Jesus Christ um, So come here to me Ladies and gentlemen Get up in touch with us in a few different ways You can join us next week When we talk to yeah. the Jesus of 90s cinema Brendan Fraser Brendan Fraser And like tell him just, just double check if it's all right before you give someone a big kiss. Yeah, just, just check it out, Brendan. Yeah, just, <laughs> just, just, just a quick question. Ask her dad first, Brendan. Do you fancy a smooch? Do you, do you not? That's either way's fine. Either one's grand. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Women in the twenties love that. They love it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're out here. Oh, Goodbye. Yeah. That's enough. We're gonna, we're gonna get in trouble. <laughs>